faithful Bible teaching, like shows what's in the Bible and then just proclaims it outwards. What would the opposite of that be? What uh, would be like the, the big error on yeah, the other side? Yeah, great, thanks. So exposition is taking what's in and bringing it out. Imposition, Imposition. is bringing something out and then shoving it in. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 264. I'm your host, Mike Neglia. The voice that you just heard is actually also Mike Neglia. Uh, that's from a conversation that I had with Riley Taylor. You see, I was visiting Calvary Fellowship, the church that Riley pastors, in November. Uh, I was there for a CGN regional pastors and leaders conference. And then Riley, that sneaky dog, invited me into a back room so he could show me some interesting recording equipment that he thought I'd be interested in. And as he's showing me around the recording studio, he's turning on cameras and getting the microphones turned on. And then he says, hey, man, have a seat. Let's have a conversation. And there on the spot with no prep, we just had what I thought was one of the more incisive and thoughtful conversations that I've had in quite a long time. Uh, Riley is a super good listener. He is a deep thinker, and that makes him a wonderful conversation partner. And so while he's the one asking me questions, I also think that he has some really valuable things for us to learn as well. So I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. Uh, make sure that you check it out either on audio or on YouTube as well, because He's got some like high definition cameras all set up and it, uh, it looks more professional than our usual YouTube presence, which is just a Zoom recording. All right. Well, for those of you that are sick and tired of Zoom recordings and for those of you who long for an in-person experience, I've got two sets of dates that you're going to be interested in and excited about. Here's the first one. Grab a pen, grab your field notes, grab some paper, and write this down. June 2nd and 3rd. June 2nd and 3rd. Those are the dates of our next in-person training event. It's going to be in Austin, Texas. And so if you live in the South or in the mighty state of Texas, or if you're able to travel, well, then I would love to see you there. Uh, the date is just confirmed, and we're looking forward to an in-person two-day training event for young and new Bible teachers or older and more experienced preachers of God's Word. We want to upskill and grow together. So June 2nd and 3rd. Or here's another set of dates, October 27th and 28th. We're coming to Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'm really looking forward to coming to the, the mighty and wonderful state of Indiana and helping young and new Bible teachers or older and more experienced Bible teachers grow in their personal study and public proclamation of God's word. Hopefully by the time this episode is released, our website will be updated with registration information. If it's not there, be checking us out on social media where we'll be giving these dates the highlighting and the exposure that they deserve. So I hope to see you at one of them. Shucks, maybe even both of them. But anyway, I'm going to get out of your way. I'm going to give you a break from the sound of my voice so that you can listen to the sound of my voice uh, having a great conversation with my friend and colleague, Riley Taylor. 
Hey, what's up, guys? It's me, Riley, and I'm here with my friend, Mike Neglia. Hey, Mike. Riley, a pleasure. Good to see you. Always a pleasure. Now, Mike is a pastor over in Ireland, a city called Cork. What's Cork like? Cork? Uh, It's the second biggest city in Ireland. It's the best city in Ireland. There's like a Cork... (laughs) Cork-Dublin rivalry, and of oh, course, really? yeah, and Cork is smaller. It's more like, you know, like like the, it's authenticity. It's a wonderful place. It's called mm-hmm. the Rebel City, and I've lived there for 19 years, and all of its charm and all of its grit and all of its wonder has really influenced me, and hopefully, by God's grace, I want to be a good influence on that as well. That's cool. Now, Okay, if you don't know Mike, Mike runs a podcast called The Expositors Collective, which is based around helping Bible teachers learn how to expound on God's Word. Did I use the words right? Uh, yeah. Expositor, expound. Yes. What's the third one? Exegete. Whoa. Yes, that's right. Yes. All of those. Do you know what the word EX means? No. EX is Latin for X, and it means out of. Uh, I hear the phrase like ex Ex machina. Yes, ex cathedra. Um, So it means out of. And so expound, exegete, exposit, all of those have the idea of like taking what's what's in and then bringing it out. And so I think, and we'd agree, I think faithful Bible teaching like shows what's in the Bible and then just um, proclaims it outwards. What would the opposite of that be? What Uh, would be like the the big error on the other side? Yeah, great. Thanks. So exposition is taking what's in and bringing it out. Imposition. Imposition. Is bringing something out and then shoving it in. And a lot of times, Bible teachers and preachers, we can be tempted to impose onto the Bible uh, what we want to say. Um, Oftentimes, have you ever encountered this where you have, let's say, a sermon coming up and you really want to talk to the church about holiness or respecting your pastor or something and then you, and then and then you read the passage it's and pastor's then, appreciation month church it came and went yeah <laughs> october uh yeah better luck next year uh so we, we have a hope whether it's those things uh and let's say pastor's appreciation that's a, that's an easy one because that's easily like you could do that for the wrong reason but we could also have, a, have like a good reason i want the church to be you know i want these teenagers to stop having sex with each other you know and so you we have that and then so we look for a passage in the bible that tells them what to do now that doesn't sound like a bad thing not at all not at okay. all no it's good for teenagers but to not have the, sex it, it <laughs> <laughs> like i'm all for it anyways so here's so you're saying that that's on the opposite end of exposition, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. You're just you mm. need to know what these two like sides of the spectrum of Bible study are, yeah. so that we can know when we're doing what. Yeah, I guess yeah. I'm, maybe I'm kind of conflating the yeah, imposition, which is like forcing something into the Bible. Oh, oh okay. And then there's like a different another way of teaching the Bible would be oh, okay. topical or um, thematic. Well, explain this to me. Then. Yeah. If you're teaching the Bible topically, yes. can you still do exposition? I sure, yeah, I hope so. Because what we're doing, like, um, for example, let's say let's say giving. Let's go back to giving or one of these uncomfortable things. Um, we can look at, let's say, the end of 2 Corinthians, I say 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter 8 and 9, like those passages, which which is like Paul explaining the, the purpose of generosity and how generosity doesn't begin with you and me and our checking, checking accounts or our cash app, uh, but it begins with God above who gave Christ to us. And then so he begins there and then talks about the generosity of the Corinthians. And then we can explain the big picture of that. So we can do a topical series on giving or generosity. And then 
turn to a passage and then exposit, bring out of the passage what is in there already. So I think it's possible. I think in our circles, maybe topical um, has a bad rap. And while I don't think that it's the best to do it exclusively or even primarily, there's a place for it. Like it's coming up probably in Christmas time, you and every other faithful preacher is going to go a little bit topical. Yeah. Um, talk about the theme of the incarnation or the, the idea of hope in the darkness. All those things are topics. And so it's not that we're going verse by verse through a book and we stumble upon that passage, but we're aware of the calendar, mm -hmm. the culture, the needs of our church. And and then we want to bring out a theme or a topic. I love that because I do do some topical throughout the year. Mm -hmm. And I try to actually choose topical series based on uh, what seems to be needed yeah. in the time. Um, I don't want to be too too much headline theology like yeah. where I'm just doing talking about whatever's happening in the day. I want to transcend that. But I also want to help people understand how the truth of Scripture comes to bear and it is within our circles. Like we, yeah. one of our values is expository yeah. preaching. Yeah. Where, and what you're saying is expository means you're exposing or bringing it out of yeah. scripture yeah. rather than putting my politics or my pet theology or, yeah. or my whatever, you know, uh, pet peeve, yeah. you know, into the text. Now you run Expositors, Expositors Collective, one of my favorite podcasts. Hey, thanks. Check it out. Yeah. How many? Uh, <laughs> and hey, I I I I gave a check to you. Uh, you left your phone out. A check? Well, I don't know. I, I checked your phone. Oh, oh. Uh, and phone. I yeah, my and light, and my I light phone. and I said, hey, let me check your podcasts. Just knowing that it'd be awkward when I looked and there wasn't Expositors Collective, and there it was. There it was. What a good friend. Yeah, thank you, and thank you for the podcast. Now, here's my question yes. for you: How long have you been doing it? Um, more than three years, I think. I think coming up to four years. Um, at at the date of this being recorded, we're on episode like two hundred and forty-seven. Holy smokes! Yeah, so two hundred and forty-seven divided by fifty-two. That's how long I've been doing it. Holy smokes! Yeah. Now you've interviewed some great Bible teachers. Yeah. Some of my favorites, actually. You interviewed John Tyson, who's just yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, you've interviewed Brian Chapel. That's right. Okay. Let me talk about him. Okay. Because he has a book, Christ-Centered Preaching which basically was my Preaching 101 textbook. Mm -hmm. I took a homiletics class in Bible college and led by Justin Thomas, and uh, he used that curriculum. Mm -hmm. What, in all of your interviews, yes. in three years, yes. 247 divided by 52, <laughs> yeah. in that amount of time. There's someone smart who's watching this, and they already know, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It's... Well, I mean, 250 divided by 52 is roughly five. Yeah. Roughly. So you're over three years. There's been a couple um, bonus episodes, okay. but not that many. They've in all these interviews, <coughs> what was what has been the big takeaway? Yeah. Yeah. For you. I think what actually has come up, not every time, but often, as I speak with these, like, you know, these these men and these women, these, these authors or these professors, uh, these pastors— uh, what actually really resonates in in many of those conversations is that like preaching is an act of love. Preaching is an act of like caring for God's word and and wanting to communicate God's word to people who you love. And um, somebody 
uh, said it that like that preaching is an act of it's like it's a love towards God, and because we love God, we're faithful to His word, and love towards people, and because we love them, we're faithful to God's word, and we don't want to withhold anything useful, and we don't want to yeah push something false into their minds, and so preaching is an act of love. It's an act of pastoral care. Um, it's not the only pastoral care. Like right. you and I were pastors, and like if there's things that our congregation needs that goes beyond what the pulpit can do. But the pulpit is a way of showing love. Now, this is very interesting because we're living in a culture where um, authoritative teaching mm-hmm. is looked on with skepticism. Yeah. So how do teachers of the Bible make sure that this act of love is being seen as loving rather than, let's say, so many friends of mine would say, domineering, mm-hmm. uh, foisting your opinion on me. Um, being certain of things they can't be certain of. Yeah. How the culture would look at those kinds of things and go, that's not loving. Yeah. No way. So uh, how does a teacher of the scripture make sure that, and I'm not saying like they, you give them 20 bucks and help them give them a ride to the airport after yeah. church. I'm saying in the message. I do need a ride to the airport tomorrow. Sure. I'm just throwing that out there. I'll be there for you. Okay. <laughs> Number one. I'm going to say number one, and then hopefully by the time I finish it, I'll think of number two. <laughs> number number Classic one. preacher move. Yeah. <laughs> number one. Number number one, I think it needs to be a matter like it is. You mentioned domineering, that this is not <clears throat> me asserting or imposing my will upon you. And then because I have the microphone or because I have the podium, like you're going to do what I'm commanding you to do. First and foremost, it needs to be an act of like of humility um, that we are like under the word, that we are um, subservient to it. And, and that, that the word in this passage, this, this burden, this message we're going to share, it actually has like deeply impacted us and then even helped us okay. ourselves. And, and to say, my, my friends, this has helped me this week. This has been a help in my life. And I want you to A, see the need for this. And then B, I want you to be helped how I have been helped. So ultimately, if, if it's done well, if it's done right, it's an act of like service. So it's an act of love to God, love to people, and then it's a way of saying, like, I want to serve you by bringing you into, by putting you in the line of sight of this incredibly, like, helpful truth. Help now, help for, for eternity, but this is something that, like, God has come to to be, be gracious and to help us, and this is going to help you. That's that's cool. Okay, so if I'm hearing you right, the, the loving part of it mm-hmm. is that this person needs to hear this. Hmm. And here I am saying it. And if they know, oh, my goodness, I, I didn't know I needed to hear this. And you showed me the need. Yeah. And you pointed out the flaw in my thinking yeah. or in my idolatry or in my unbelief or yeah. in my sin or whatever. You pointed out the flaw in it. And now it's becoming clear to me what the scripture is saying. And actually, it makes perfect sense. So in that like process, there's a bit that sounds like a little bit of like a... Um, you might call it like a uh, light bulb's going off. Sure. So it's that light bulb moment in the person that goes, "This dude loves me." Yeah, I guess you know. Yeah, and and someone described that as like we we need to uh, establish relevance of of the passage, and I don't mean like hip, cool relevance, but 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 showing how like this story about Moses back then, or 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 Peter or Miriam, like that's connecting with what we're encountering these days. And by like, if it, if it if it means opening up our own life to to show us how this to show them how this impacted us, or if it's just kind of like 
rummaging through contemporary Seattle experience to how like the the turmoil that Miriam experienced is also similar, likened to parallel, but what we're going through. And then if a preacher can do a good job of like showing the relevance of that, and if it, that could be two or three minutes, it could be longer than that, but showing this is relevant. Mm. This is to borrow the language of Brian Chapel, like there's a fallen condition that everyone experiences. And this is parallel to what, what you're going through. And the same God who gave grace to Miriam is here to give grace to you in a parallel thing. And so we spend the time like meddling in people's lives a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then and then the good news, mm-hmm. God has provided a way for Miriam and you and everyone else through Christ to have like joy, hope, future, all those things. So it's an act of, yeah, it's that. I like that. It's like you are literally coming alongside them, almost like a friend. Sure. With words to say. Clarity, encouragement, um, and actually truth. I mean, so it kind of makes me think that one of the, what you're describing mm. seems like a lot of homework mm. that preachers do. Yeah. You're dis- you've described expository teaching yeah. as bringing out of the text, but what you just described is maybe something a little more like, taking what you have and doing something with it. Sure, yeah. What's that part? Well, yeah, it's it's expository preaching. It's also expository pastoring, you know? Like oh. like I could talk about I could talk about Cork for so long, you know? Like I I love it. I'm familiar with its musicians, I'm familiar with the art, the geography, the history. Um I love like walking through and noticing like where the river goes and the layers of literal layers of history that's there. Like I love the city. And I love the people of the city. And particularly, I love the people of my church. And so I want to, like, know them. And because there's no such thing, Riley, as, like, a generic person. You know, there's there's embodied individuals who live in Cork and who live in Seattle and who live everywhere else. <laughs> I saw you did that earlier. So <laughs> is, that, is that your thing? The people that, that live everywhere. It's, it's embodied people. And so we want to know the human condition. Like, say, w- pastors have a really hard job. Um, we have to know this ancient book and we have to know this contemporary setting. Yeah. And so there's ways to like, you know, spend time, like on the one hand, reading local papers, uh, being, you know, listening to local radio, being connected with like the the specific genre of like entertainment and news that's being consumed in this city. But then also it's, it's the people that you know, you know, it's it's having it's having people in your church in your house or or vice versa. Like the qualifications of elders include hospitality. And I think right. that one of those reasons is to actually know these these people um, and so that your public teaching can be connected with private ministry. So Yes, you heard correctly. I, I think that there is a, a nose in the book, Bible focus, and then also like life mixing with people and then doing what we can to help those connections to be made. Hmm. It almost sounds like one of the unspoken qualifications is be a normal person. <laughs> Live your life. Yeah. Like have friends. Yeah. Like that hospitality thing. I, I never found that on any like pastor job interview hmm. questions like, do you have people over for dinner? Are you normal? That we focus on the qualifications. Yeah. Can you study? Can you just? But maybe the hidden stuff. And I have actually a list of. Um, I guess I call them. I've been calling them the intangible. Yeah. Things about teaching. What's on that list? Uh, sleep. Yeah. Go to worship. Hmm. Like if the worship set is before your teaching. Yeah. Sing songs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, prayer. 
Um, and then I think I have one called, oh, loving people would be one. Do you actually love these people? Because yeah. it'll come across if yeah. you don't. Yeah. But one of them is um, actually knowing what you're talking about. Right. Because there's a big difference between having good notes. Yeah. And like if I'm teaching, I just taught Abide, uh, John 15. So I taught that same text five, six years ago. I know it better now, mm-hmm. not because I've studied it more, but because I've abided more. Yeah. And that it's not, I'm not saying like my notes are that different, but there's something intangible yeah. about it. Yeah. That comes across. For, like if there's a Q&A afterwards, I don't know if your church does Q&A time or not, but like you'd have, you'd have more to say. I, I've encountered even like younger teachers where it's like everything that they know, they just said. <laughs> if you came up to me afterwards yeah. and asked me, hey, yeah. what's more? I'd go like young teacher. I yeah. felt that way. Yeah. I, I don't know. You caught me. It's like the videos on YouTube. You can go watch it again. <laughs> everything I know, I just said. Yeah. But I think that there is a thing. And this is, you know, I I, I mentioned I'm turning 40 like in a couple of weeks. And I don't know your age. You're, you're younger than me, aren't you? 35. Okay. Well, buddy, it only gets better from here. Um, but <laughs> just just the longer a human lives, the more you experience. And it's not just that, it's not that experience matures you. It's like it's it's thoughtful experience or it's yeah. it's reflecting upon experience mm-hmm. and so i think that there's a value i think in so many things and like the, we mentioned knowing the word knowing people and then part of it is kind of knowing ourselves um mm-hmm. knowing our own interaction with this with this passage and this truth and and that can't just only be for the sake of an interesting introduction but it means like as a christian as a man as a dad as a son as a neighbor i'm i'm learning more about myself and like god's gracious interaction with me and being able to communicate out of that honesty. Uh, one of the things we talk about at the Expositors Collective is finding your own voice. And that means one of two things. On the one hand, it means like, don't copy other people. You know, there's only one Riley Taylor. I can't really preach like you and I shouldn't try. Right. Also, it, it means finding my own voice. It's like, who has God separated me from my mother's womb to be? And what does it mean for me to even be myself? So step one is don't be a copycat. Step two is actually find out like, what on earth am I here for? And then how am I to communicate and show God's love to these people by opening this passage? And what does that mean in all honesty to do? I think that that's probably the, (coughs) the, um, almost like the second highest question preachers have is number one, how do I study and prepare notes and actually get something out. Yeah. But the second one, it I and I think maybe even sometimes first is how do I be myself? Yeah. And I honestly can only say to people, you won't be yourself for a couple of years yeah. at least. Yeah. It is a discovery process, partly because you are changing and also because yeah. you just, I don't know how to not copy people. Hmm. And I had to stop listening <coughs> to preachers. That was one of my disciplines. I couldn't, I could no longer tune in to podcasts of preachers um, because it just hijacked my sensibilities. Mm. And I ended up just going, oh, well, shoot, you know, I guess I'll preach like them now. You know, <laughs> I don't know. It's just yeah. something happens. Yeah. Books don't do that. You know, I know some people who can't even read books on like other than commentaries because the book mm. will catch the tone of voice or something. Yeah. But. But yeah, discovering who you are, it sounds like a long process, like a journey. Yeah. Well, John Calvin, I th- John Calvin, who is like not the most touchy-feely dude. <laughs> I think like the preface to his to his institutes 
is like, it's like the two most important things in the world are knowing yourself and knowing God. That's right. Isn't that, isn't that I wild? Just, I just used that quote. Did you really? Yeah. Is it, did I get it right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Isn't that like John Calvin is like, yeah. what's really important is that you, you get your Enneagram number. You know? <laughs> He's like, are you an INTF, INTFJ? <laughs> Do you know what he is? He's probably a five. <laughs> Calvin is total five. <laughs> yeah, that's Get awesome. It? Get it? Because of the points. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So I, I just, I think that, yeah. Knowing <coughs> would that make me a four? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Amaraldianism. Um, yes, the process of knowing yourself, I think, is long. <coughs> is a long thing. And then maybe this is just a, maybe it's a, 30, you know, like once you enter your third decade, um, you know, you're 35, I'm 39 and 11 to 12. Um, but like, it's been something that I've been trying to over these past couple of years, just, just figure it out. And so many of my peers are as well. Like you just kind of start your life and you get married and then you just do your thing. And then maybe you slid in a little bit or you, you kind of settle into these rules. And then the, those deeper questions kind of, kind of come, you know? Yeah. Uh, for me, like with my mom uh, dying uh, two years ago and, and then she was sick for a long time before that, like that just kind of caused me to like really just uh, realize like I, I came from somewhere, you know, mm. and then I'm, and I'm going somewhere and I'm, I'm, I'm these three kids dad and, and like, and who am I and what's, what have I inherited? What yeah. am I passing on? Um, for me, that was just kind of a process that started a whole bunch of like self-reflection and never want to just be like narcissistic or constantly looking inward. And I think as a younger man, there's so much out there in the world to do and there's a mission, you know, and so I'm, I'd be very mission focused and I still am, but then it's also reflecting on like, well, what, what is what is my unique contribution to the mission? This sounds like something that would only come out in your preaching in ways that maybe you don't perceive, but you do get comments, I will say, now that I'm in my mid-30s, because mm-hmm. uh, I started preaching before I was 30. Yeah. But I get comments now about, like, it, about wisdom and layers of, like, um, you've Im- you the way you're speaking lately has hmm. kind of authority and weight to it and i'm just like i don't yeah i don't know exactly what you mean yeah because it's part of it could be tone of voice or just like sensitivity to like like little things like i think over time you learn like i just said something that's true but many people might take it the wrong way so i'm going to qualify it little things like that right yes that can only come with experience yes Conversely, maybe maybe I'm more prone to qualifying things to death, right? Because um, I know that you know, or I'd be very sensitive to maybe someone's taking you know, and so I I tend to do that, and I still do. Uh, but my my wife said this a couple um, couple weeks ago. I was speaking about evangelism. I was speaking about common objections to the gospel, and I said, "Hey, listen, I've, I've lived in Ireland for for 19 years. I've evangelized, you know." X amount of hours. I've evangelized on this street and that street, and I've spent time with with those goth kids there, and I've done this. Here's what the question that your neighbors, friends, contemporaries, that they've asked me like 1,200 times. I'm going to tell you in a few minutes what that question is. And she's like, when you said that, like with that like authority and confidence, And my interest, and my, and you didn't then qualify. You didn't say LOL, or you didn't, you didn't backpedal or anything. You're just like, I'm kind of like a, you, you explained that I was kind of a subject matter expert. 
Right. And I'm going to let them in on something. And that's how you, how do you do that? You actually have to become like a subject matter expert. <laughs> you have to do something for 19 years. Yeah. And, and then like in humble confidence, say, I've, I've learned this. And I want to share this with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can't do that. Like what you mentioned in the beginning, younger Bible teachers or newer Bible teachers, you, you look up the word abide. You see what Strong's Concordance says. You, you go on Wikipedia and you find a cool little quote about it. And, and that's one thing. But then you, you abide for five more years and then you have more things to say because you've done it. Mm-hmm. So we've started talking about, we started at the beginning talking about like expositional teaching. It means like bringing the meaning of that text out. Also, we, the messenger has some, some contribution to it, mm-hmm. never in contradiction, but only to like say, this is how this truth has lived and embodied itself and is coming out of my life. I started thinking about it, especially as I've gotten a little older and a, little, a lot more years preaching. I've started thinking about myself as, um, you know, we teach through the Bible, like expositional teaching. Um, but I don't really think of my job as teaching uh, what did I just teach? Colossians. Yeah. I, I didn't, I don't think of my job as teaching Colossians. I think of my job as Paul speaking to the Colossian church, wow. which is an embodied teacher who's concerned for this people who are idolatrous and who are being swayed by different pagan influences or whatever kind of cultural mm-hmm. uh, voices. And he's saying to them, no. Jesus, the image of God, above the powers, nothing else saves, right? So I've started to think of it that way, not because I it really changes my job description. I'm still teaching Colossians. Yes. But it's helped me understand my role, which is not simply to give you the info or yeah. the scoop yeah. on what Colossians means, but to speak to you as a, a shepherd yeah. who's been anointed by the Spirit with this gift— and who's been appointed for this function. So my care, my concern, my experience needs to come through as much as my study. Yeah. So you're re-presenting Paul to them? Or or was something different? What do you mean? I'm not really... I, it doesn't really change what I'm doing. Okay. I'm still teaching through Colossians. Yeah. But I'm, I'm thinking of my role. It's helped me understand yeah. kind of the, yeah. the balance or... The mixture of things you're talking about, like where you 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 exegete a text, but you also exegete a people. Yeah. And for me, that it helped me to go. My role to this this group of people, we're in the church, like office back here. Um, we're at a conference right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, my role to this people is to be Paul yeah. for them. Yeah. Like to play yeah. that same yeah. role. And so what motivated him yeah. to say this or to yeah. say that? You know? yeah, Col- yeah, Colossians was written as an act of love. To, he, he, yeah. loved that, he loved oh. them so much that he wants them okay. to not be captivated by these other things but, or these, these philosophies that are, that are um, entrancing them. Yeah. So he wakes them up because he loves them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if we take that and then we just like do an autopsy on it, you know, just take it apart, analyze it bit by bit. This part is connected to this. That maybe is not, that's, that's doing justice to the text, hmm. but this, the Bible is more than a text. The Bible is, is like, it's God communicating his heart of love. And as pastor, in the pastoral office, we, we teach the Bible, yes, but we use the Bible to show God's heart and God's care to, to those people. Hmm. That's good. 
That's good. I love that. What a high calling. And I do think that I'm, I'm talking to more and more people, especially as I, I do build the church and stuff that, that are curious yeah. about like the ministry. And I think that nothing, nothing really will prepare you or um, uh, equip you better than simply putting it to work. And so I think that what you guys do through Expositors Collective is to help people get started on teaching the Bible. So I think that the best thing I can do is point people towards Expositors Collective and do like listen to that yeah. and to go like, oh, I like, think so. this is really this easy, actually. Um, one of the points that you guys make in your conferences or uh, seminars is the perspicuity of mm-hmm. Scripture, like the easiness of it, like the simplicity yeah. of like, you can do this. Like God gave this to dumb people, yeah. not smart not yeah. smart people. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we're all dumb. You know what I love? Like we're talking about Psalm 119 at, at this conference that we're at, Psalm 119. I love Psalm 19. Mm. It says, um, the word of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Like, I, I love that. It's, yeah. it actually, it's actually, it's not that you have to be wise to understand it. If you're simple, come on in. It's actually going to enwisen in, in you. It's going to make you wise. And so the entry point, yeah, come with your simplicity and and God's word will make you wise. That's good. Yeah. And if, if people are going to be listening to the Expositors Collective podcast, listen to, I think it, I think it's episode nine. Oh. It's you. Me? Yeah, I think I think Ooh. one of the best ones is is it's the it's the who, what, when, why, where, yeah. why of, of yeah. preaching that you did mm-hmm. uh, in Thousand Oaks all those years ago. Yes, that one is so good, and I've I have sent that to every subsequent person whoever has been assigned the homiletics passage. Wow. I said this this is par excellence. This is like what we're looking for. Yes. No one, no one said it in the same sense. There we go. That, that, is a, that cr- was it. That was a cross plug. Yeah, it was. Thanks, like, Mike. I'm promoting you, but I'm using you to promote my podcast. That's right. <laughs> so that people will learn how to teach the Bible. Because we awesome. want people to grow in their personal study and public proclamation of God's word. That's right. All right. See ya. Oh, yeah. My, my, my sign off. We are Pacific Parable. Or I am. <laughs> what am I? I'm Riley. And see you at church. All right. Well, thanks so much, Riley. Really enjoyed that conversation. Uh, As I said earlier on, you're a great conversationalist, a wonderful listener, and you ask fantastic questions. This episode has been sponsored by our friends at the Cultivate Church Planting Initiative. We're going to end this episode listening to Clay and Nick invite us to be involved in the work of planting new churches and supporting those who are laboring in that important work. The gospel is the hope of the world, and the world needs more gospel-centered churches. That's why Cultivate by CGN exists. I'm Clay Worrell, Executive Director of CGN, and I'm here with my friend, Pastor Nick Cady. We want to take a moment to let you know about the Cultivate Church Planter Training Program. Cultivate has created the infrastructure to support the planting of 1,000 new churches in the next decades, starting in 2023. We follow in the footsteps of renowned church planters in the Calvary Chapel movement, embracing and adopting their rich heritage of church planting in order to transmit our values, theology, and philosophy of ministry to this generation and for those to come. You know, as church planters ourselves, we understand that planting a church is not an easy task, but we believe it's an essential one. That's why we've created a range of resources to help you and your team prepare for the journey ahead. Our resources are personal, 
practical, and pastoral. Our program is from six to 24 months and is designed to equip you to lead a gospel-centered community wherever God has called you around the world. We also have a global team of mentors and coaches with thousands of hours of experience planting and pastoring churches, and they're ready to support you in the training phase, the launch phase, and in the post-launch phase of planting a church. With our guidance and support, you can feel confident in your ability to engage the world for Christ. Are you ready to answer the call of church planting? Together we can make a difference and bring the hope of the gospel to communities around the world. If you're ready to take the next steps and learn more about our church planting program, we invite you to visit our website at cultivatechurchplanting.com.